Hi, welcome to Straight to LaserDisc. This is just Andy with a quick take, this time about Denis Villeneuve's Dune. Now, I didn't know much about Dune before seeing this movie, only from what, I, only from what I've gotten from Catholic Twitter and uh, just cultural osmosis. Uh, I knew there was something about spices with giant worms that the novel is based that the novel that it's based off of was unfilmable and that David Lynch's version in the 80s was not close in capturing the book. But from what I've heard, uh, this version of uh, Villeneuve's version does remain faithful to the book. Yet, I mean, just being a a noob to Dune, (laughs) um, I was intrigued to see this because I like Villeneuve's other movies. Um, Honestly, I believe Blade Runner... 2049 is better than the original that's a hot take uh but just visually the images looked striking in the trailer it just looked like a gorgeous movie and i'm like and that was enough to make me want to see it uh that by itself and i and i honestly thought uh this movie could be a masterpiece but then i found out this would only be part of the story uh this is only part one and there will be a sequel the second chapter that will be coming out in october 2023 but uh more on that in just a few minutes but um safe to say you know after watching the movie even on my tv i i didn't see it in theaters um the visuals were fantastic i think it would have been even more impressive if i saw it in a theater and just felt like i was fully invested in that world and and I enjoyed the world. I enjoyed the world building. I liked the political intrigue and so on and uh speaking of which <laughs> before I go any further uh so what is Dune about? Well, spices are involved and the the spice on this planet uh called Arrakis is the most valuable resource in the quote-unquote known universe that they say in the in the movie. Um, and it's responsible, apparently, for powering uh, intergalactic space travel. Uh, and there are clans who have gotten rich off the, the substance and exploited Arrakis' people, the who are called the Freemen, and uh, these clans have been fighting over it. So that's where our story begins. It's in this feudal universe with uh, led by an emperor, but um, House Atreides, who is led by Duke uh, Leto, who is played by Oscar Isaac, is essentially given control to mine the spice, replacing a rival clan known as the, the Harkonnens. I, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Who have And that clan, the rival clan, has had control over Arrakis for like 80-some-odd years and have gotten super wealthy off of it and... At first, they feel betrayed that, like, why is this being taken away? But there's a sinister plot. Uh, the plot thickens. The plot Charles Dickens. Anyway, however, Oscar Isaac's character, upon hearing this request, feels like he's walking into a trap. He has this just sense that something is not right about this. And uh, and his feelings might be va- validated, whether he lives to see them validated or not. But uh, yet he he's called to do his duty because he's asked by the emperor and feels like he must obey. So, and House Atreides, I guess for background, is viewed as a threat 
to the emperor due to that due to the Atreides's popularity. It's growing, and the and the emperor will ultimately use an alliance b- between uh, with the Harkonnens, uh, led by the terrifyingly great Stellar Starsguard, to wipe out the clan. Now that's the political intrigue. Uh, the movie is really about. Um, it's really a coming-of-age story uh, following the heir of House Atreides, Paul, who's played by Timothy Chalamet. Uh, Paul is a very complicated character. He confesses to his father in this great scene that's in a that's basically in a cemetery of all the House Atreides leaders uh, about his uncomfortability uh, to rule. But he also has these nearly Jedi-like powers he inherited from his mom, Rebecca Ferguson. And Rebecca Ferguson is a concubine of Oscar Isaac. And she was part of this cult uh, that, uh, I, the, the name escapes me now, but they, they're all dressed in black. And uh, uh, they, they all have these special powers. And initially she wanted to have, uh, she was told to have a daughter, but instead she was like, no, I'm having a son instead. But anyway, uh, but very early on, we see this duality of humanity Paul has to master. He has to resist these animalistic urges, which is literally shown in a, in a test with uh, this cult that Ferguson was formerly a, a part of. But he also has to harness this sort of rage and, and anger uh, while fighting, which is depicted in this Matrix-like scene with Josh Brolin. Um, and the powers, though, make Paul a target. And he also, on top of that, he has these premonitions, particularly about um, uh, a character whose name I forget, but she's played by Zendaya, and about Arrakis in general. And these only... Be- increase and become more vivid when he finally arrives at Iraq as it seems like the spice kind of triggers these uh, uh, these visions but he's also viewed as a potential messiah literally they call him a messiah by the by the natives of Arrakis um, and the natives are a group that Paul's father really wants to help and he wants to build an alliance with uh, which the Harkonnens did not do. Let's just, I guess, put it that way. But this journey of Paul accepting his duty, his um, almost destiny as a leader of House Atreides and a potential leader of the Freeman is the driving force of this movie. And that's all fine and dandy, but what did I ultimately think about the movie? Uh, well, visually, like I said, it's gorgeous. And the siege of... Archaeus, uh, done by the Harkonnens and the Emperor's troops, was possibly my favorite sequence of the entire film. I I just loved how it looked, and um, and also Jason Momoa, who's in it, he plays a character called Duncan, and there's this escape scene that he has in the ship, and I just uh, every everything about it, I'm like, it, it was tense, it w- looked gorgeous, it just. It drew me right into the movie. That was when I felt like I was the most committed to it. And um, Oscar Isaac and uh, Stellar Skarsgård were also very good. Jason Momoa is also pretty good. And Josh Brolin doesn't do too much. I wonder if he's actually going to 
be back in part two, but that remains to be seen. And, uh, but Skarsgård's character is just so menacing and he's just, just huge bulbous, like all consuming character. He literally does, he eats a lot. Uh, so he's, he, there's something obviously there that you could look into that, but I won't go into it uh, too much. And he literally looms over others. He like picks himself up and he just rises and he's just dominating. But um, the two, probably the two main characters are Rebecca Ferguson and, and obviously Timothy Chalamet. Uh, the former, I kind of found to be annoying. I don't know if it was just watching it on my TV, but I felt like she mumbled cord throughout. And I'm like, just please speak up, please. <laughs> And, uh, but her, her character was intriguing enough where I was like, okay, I, I could see where you're coming from. She's both obviously very skilled, but also a nervous wreck about her son's safety, uh, which I guess over the course of the film is pretty understandable since they're being, uh, you know, their, their clan is trying to, you know, is threatened to be wiped out. But for some reason, I just, um, I just didn't fully buy it. And uh, and I could say the same about the <laughs> ever omnipresent <laughs> Timothy Chalamet. I only say omnipresent because he seems to be in everything now. And I think the I, I don't know why I just didn't completely buy him, but maybe one of the parts is that I think he needs to eat a sandwich. Uh, it's just because the, the the final act of the movie is him in a in a duel to the death with this other guy who's obviously trained and skilled and whatnot. And, and Timothy Chalamet just looks like a toothpick compared to this guy. But, um, but I guess obviously that's like the point, but it just, um, I don't know why I just didn't totally believe it. And, uh, but also this sort of going back to what I was saying before, this restraining or resisting his emotions, uh, quite, often I would say I feel like does a uh, disservice to someone who's in a hero's journey when compared to like say like like Luke Skywalker you know he's Luke Skywalker is very passionate and uh you know he's and he's a likable character and I don't think Chalamet's Paul totally gets there I feel like he's like 90, 95% of the way there, but I just think there's something, at least for me as the viewer, I was holding me back from like, yeah, I I like this guy. I want to see where he goes and I want to see him be successful. And that makes, I mean, that in and of itself makes it fall short to me as being a potential masterpiece. And that in that and it being only part one, this movie being part one, but unlike an epic, say like Lord of the Rings, Dune made me want more, but not in a, but in a non-satisfied way. <laughs> when in comparison, the Fellowship of the Ring felt complete enough to where I was satisfied with it as a movie, but I was also excited that there was more. You know, it's like. Uh, I don't know, maybe it's a cliche of trying to compare it to a meal, but, you know, you feel like, oh, I, I ate this great meal, I could not eat for the rest of the night, oh, but there's dessert? Oh, okay, I may, I, I have a second stomach, I'm going to eat that. That's how I felt <laughs> maybe with 
the Fellowship of the Ring, but with Dune, I'm like, oh, I'm still hungry after my dinner, you know, and I need to eat more in order to feel satisfied. If that's maybe that's the best way of putting it, but um, I am curious what the more will be, and I think I'll end up seeing it probably just out of an obligation, and not so much that I'm like I'm truly excited for part two, so. So we'll see, but uh, I guess before I end this review, um, I feel like I do have to touch on the Catholic element since I feel like Catholic Twitter is just all about Dune, and I'm like, obviously it's because of the Messiah reference uh, being the main one, It's it, that Paul is sort of a Christ-like figure, even though he's also named Paul, so that goes with the Apostle Paul, like how that plays into it, but... Um, and also, there's the element that I caught of like Herod's, uh, King Herod's killing of the innocents um, during that whole Arrakis sort of sequence, uh, which drove the Holy Family into the into Egypt. I mean, there's plenty more symbolism and whatnot in all of this movie that kind of relates back to Catholicism, at least that I saw. But I guess I'll stop there from completely spoiling. The part one of the movie, it's only half the movie, so I guess I'm not spoiling the whole story. But anyway, with that, um, essentially I felt like this could this could end up being a classic. But part two will determine that heavily for me. I just feel like part one by, it, by itself didn't feel like a movie. It didn't feel like a complete, you know, three-act movie, even though there was, there were three acts. Um, there, I mean, the the ending of this was obviously more subdued, uh, and and Paul sort of realizing what his duty actually is, what his destiny is, and what he needs to do to to, to for House Atreides, but I it just it it just like I said, I just didn't feel satisfied, and I think part two will. It, I hope will satisfy that. So with that, um, I do recommend seeing it uh, just for visuals alone. I was also underwhelmed by the, the score, I gotta say. I uh, just wanted to point that out before I, le- uh, you know, I leave you and before I uh, <laughs> before I keep droning on and on and on. That's a Monty Python reference for all of you out there. Uh, but anyway, um, what did you think about the movie? Comment uh, send me your angry letters and tweets and whatnot. Um, hopefully I'll be around to talk about, uh, Dune part two and, and see it. Um, but anyway, just, uh, well, I check out some other, po- uh, episodes on our channel and, um, uh, till next time, uh, as always part time, part time. <laughs>